All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day, another opportunity to come and share your word. God, I ask of you to please be with me here as we go into a very um, difficult topic um, to explain to your people. But Lord, we trust that you will be with us and help me speak through me in this time to be able to speak truth to your children, um, that they may be able to come to know the Holy Spirit better and really understand how the Holy Spirit impacts and works within their lives. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So, okay, Michael, you also noted um, that God the Father is essentially the judge and God the Son is our lawyer and the Holy Spirit is our guide. Perfect. Perfect. I love that part. Holy Spirit being the guide. That's a good point. So, today we're going deeper into, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit. We've learned a lot about Jesus. We've learned a lot about God the Father. And we came to a point where we noted that there wasn't too much understanding or too much knowledge into the Holy Spirit. And that's something that is on us. And I, we need to do a better job of, of, of sharing that with you. I need to do a better job of sharing that with you. So that's what we're going to do today. So first, I want to recap the Trinity like you guys have, like we talked about earlier and what we said last time. So last week, we kind of had that conversation about the Trinity God is one being and three persons, right? Three persons, not three forms. If you think of it as three forms, and that's modalism, which is a, is problematic, right? And I wanted to show you, I don't think we were able to get to this part last time because um, we had just gone through so many things. But if you guys go on over to Acts chapter 7, um, verse 51 to 53, the book of Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51 to 53, there's this man whose name was Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, just like your name there. There's this man whose name was Stephen. And Stephen um, was a man of God, and he was a follower of Jesus. Um, and unfortunately, Stephen got stoned towards the end. But while Stephen was about to get stoned, he got stoned because he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Guys, it's really tough to follow the Lord. You basically give up your life at times, right? Um, Stephen ended up getting stoned. But within these verses that I want to share with you here, um, the verse 50, ver ver verse 51 down to the verse 60, you'll kind of see how the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father, all in one place, right? We talk about the Trinity so many times, I want you guys to see how they're all in one place, okay? So that says, You stiff-necked people, this is Stephen talking to the people who are about to stone him, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did, you, did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when, the, now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and, their ground, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the, at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open." and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, right? So that verse 55 to verse 66, you see how the Holy Spirit, Father, God the Father, and Jesus are all there together, right? They're not in different forms. They're there as persons together. The Holy Spirit being within Stephen, um, God the Father, and God the Son in heaven standing next to each other, right? Now, this is, the book of Acts is, is telling the story of after Jesus left, and he gave his Holy Spirit to man right? To come and do some pretty interesting things. So with that, there, there's also other, other places in the Bible where you see all three of them mentioned together, right? If you go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, you'll see um, the baptism of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist. Um, 
the Holy Spirit rests upon Jesus like a dove. And then God the Father speaks from heaven and says, you know, this is my son who I am pleased with, right? So in case anybody's ever like, what, Trinity, what do you mean? These are verses that you can point to to show that clearly these are three persons and not three forms. Amen. So with that, we said we have a good understanding of God the Father and we have a good understanding of Jesus. I hope so, or else we haven't been doing our job. But a lot of times there's not a great understanding of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what we're going to dig into today. And the best place to talk about the Holy Spirit and get a good understanding is in the book of Acts. So jump with me on over to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. And we'll talk about the promise and we'll continue from there. Okay? So, if anybody's at Acts chapter 1, would you mind reading Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8? Acts comes right after uh, John. Anybody there? Yeah, I'll read. All right, go ahead, Candice. Okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Jesus takes up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, mm -hmm. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit and to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them for a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he commanded to this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard, about, heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judah and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, we see here that the Holy Spirit, and um, unto Eunice and Olivia, do you guys mind looking at the participants in case anybody's ever in the waiting room? I've made you guys co-host, so you can just bring them in while I'm just focusing on this piece here. So, um, thank you so much for that piece, Candice, and, 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 and reading that. Um, So we see in the, in the book of Acts that there's a promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his people, hey, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things, right? We saw last week in the book of John, right? And then we see here again in Acts. Acts was a book written by Luke, Luke the doctor, right? And it's like part two of Luke, essentially. You can think of it that way. And... It's pretty much the Acts of the Apostles. It talks about all the things and the great works that the Holy Spirit empowered the people to do. So we see here a promise of the Holy Spirit. This isn't the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, but here's kind of where we trace the story of what we're really seeing the Holy Spirit in action. Okay, And it is such a cool thing. You guys will see pretty soon. So we've seen in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go on over to Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 22 and there was a lot of there's going to be a lot of bible guys because when we don't have an understanding of something um, we need to read it together and digest it and talk about it okay so we've seen from the first part been able to prove to you guys that jesus has promised the holy spirit to his people and he said go and wait okay now i will take um unless someone would like to take acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 22 really quickly and then We'll continue. I can. Okay, go ahead, Evelyn. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 22. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Peter's sermon at Pentecost. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For, the, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all your and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Should I continue? No, it's good. Thank you so much. God bless you. So, I hope you guys have all been listening and reading along, right? So, what we see here, there was a promise in chapter 1, verse 8. Right, chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. The promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we see in chapter 2, um, the Holy Spirit come upon the people who were there. So imagine, you know, us here kind of run the story that makes sense to us. Um, we were walking with Jesus, right? We saw Jesus and Jesus was like, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm bringing you my Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you. But by the way, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem. Yes, Jerusalem, the same place where I was crucified. Right. <laughs> Go back there and and get into a room and, and, and keep worshiping and, and praising, right? So God puts a challenge to the people. Jesus Christ puts a challenge to the people to go back to Jerusalem, to stand there and wait um, for the day of Pentecost. So then in Acts chapter 2, as Abana has read to us here, um, the Holy Spirit finally comes after a couple of days, right? I think it was about a couple of weeks, maybe. I think it was about, about 40 days or so. And he comes upon the people, and we see in chapter 2, it describes it as like a, a mighty rushing wind that filled the entire house that they were sitting. And in this particular moment, the Holy Spirit blows a gift upon the people, right? Who are all in there, and they're praising. And this gift is a gift of tongues. But this particular gift of tongues is not to be confused with another type of tongues. This is a gift of tongues where they're able to actually speak another person's language, right? They're speaking, they start speaking another person's language and then that other person hears what they're saying. It's like, um, I don't know Spanish, right? But I start speaking Spanish and then the person who only speaks Spanish understands me fluently, right? So we see, one thing that we see with the Holy Spirit is that he comes to unite, right? 
that's one of the things I want you guys to note down and jot down here. The Holy Spirit came to unite all people across all different faiths. Sorry, across the same faith. Came to unite all believers across different denominations, different races, whatever, language. The Holy Spirit can cross those boundaries even. And even to this day, there's some folks who have been able to like speak in Japanese and have no idea that they're speaking Japanese. But somebody who's fluent in that can completely understand. So this stuff happens, right? So this is chapter two, that we've seen the power of the Holy Spirit come upon the people and they've been able to speak in different languages. But one of the coolest things that happens too is that the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't just stop here. The Holy Spirit keeps going. We see in verse 14 where he says, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, verse 14 to 22, is an amazing thing. And the reason why this is amazing, guys, is if you know Peter's life, y'all know Peter's life. And then he used to be Simon, all those things. But Peter, God changed his name to Peter, built his rock upon him. Well, the cool thing about Peter is that this is the same Peter, guys, that denied Jesus three times. Just a couple weeks ago, by the way. It wasn't like a very long time ago. So Peter, you could describe him as like a timid, not somebody that had a lot of confidence, right? Somebody that was, you know, a little shaky, right? Um, when you compare Peter and Paul, you see Paul is like always kind of like on his A game. Peter at a point in time was somebody that, um, Peter at a point in time was somebody that came and denied Jesus, right? He didn't really have his words. He had to keep telling the Lord that, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you, right? This was Peter, right? <laughs> this same Peter stands in front of all these people and he prophesies to them. Prophecies giving them the news, right? Gives them the good news of Jesus. He prophesies to them and he tells them about Jesus and he tells them about, you know, the truth, and he convicts them of sin, right? The reason, the only reason why Peter was able to do this... Oh, and by the way, when all of this was said and done, about 3,000 men and women came to know Jesus, just like that, in one day. Now, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit on display, right? And it's, it's just for us to take a step back and see that the Holy Spirit is the only reason why... Peter was able to speak with such confidence that he did and be able to, to just share the news with people and have people be convicted, right? So each, each week, you know, we come before you and whoever is coming and teaching you, even when you guys are doing this and we, and we say that, come and do testimonies or come and do, you know, whatever. Like, like come and do a, a what's that thing called? Like, like, like the 10 minute thing that you guys do. That in itself is only by the job of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can help you guys do that. Like, I don't have the strength. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the wisdom, about enough wisdom about God to come and share with you guys here all these things. I haven't been doing this for a very long time. But for some reason, sometimes people think I'm very old. But it's not, not nothing of my own, but it's only by the Holy Spirit, right? So we see what God does within Peter's life, to have him come and speak boldly and stand before the people to share the good news of Christ with him. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit unites the people within the faith across all different denominations, different um, ethnicities, right? And the Holy Spirit also gives us confidence, as we see here. So note that down. So now if, I hope you guys are excited to see what this Holy Spirit has done. So then you may be asking the question, how then do we receive the Holy Spirit? Right? How then do we receive the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that is found in the same chapter, Acts chapter 2. I told you, we're going to be in Acts for some time before we kind of jump into another place today. How then to receive the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 41. So, I'll read that really quickly. It's very short. So Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 41 says, And Peter said to them, Sorry, let me read the verse 37. That might give a little bit more context, okay? Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How, how you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit here, guys, is to repent and be baptized. It's plain, plain, right? Repent. Give your life to Jesus. The moment you guys accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit come and dwell within you. I want to dispel the and clarify any confusion around other ways people feel like you then have to display that you have the Holy Spirit, right? Um, you don't have the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. That might be a display of, of it, but that necessarily doesn't mean that you have to be able to speak in tongues in order to have a reflection or reflect that you have the Holy Spirit, okay? So if you don't speak in tongues or whichever, that's perfectly fine. Um, that's not a reflection on how deep your relationship is with the Holy Spirit or how much power the, the Holy Spirit is working within you, okay? So how you receive the Holy Spirit, very, very important. Repent. What type of lifestyle are y'all living? Like, are you living your life for the Lord? Because the Holy Spirit can't dwell like with you if you're walking in darkness and you haven't even accepted Jesus, right? If you're walking around and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you think you have the Holy Spirit, you are very confused. And I'm here to tell you that, that we see here, these are not my words, you see within Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 41 itself, repent, repent. We will always say this to the end of the day. We'll always say this to the end of days to repent and be baptized. So there are some people I've seen where they go to like camps where they teach them this is how you um, speak tongues. You can't do that. You can't teach somebody how to speak tongues because and the reason for that is because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He said he would teach you all things, right? So it's absurd to have somebody say, say I'm going to go to a camp where they're going to tell me to repeat these words after them. Oh, guys, it's it's everywhere. I don't know if you guys have come across it before, but there are places where you go to the, and you take classes on how to speak in tongues. If you're taking classes on how to speak in tongues, and be very careful about whatever that is. The piece of the tongues, and I'll touch on that a little bit more, just so you guys understand. Tongues is very real. I mean, there are two types of tongues that we'll kind of get more into when we go on this on, on the point six. But there's the tongues that we read here in chapter two earlier, where they were understanding and speaking in another known language. And then there is another tongue that is unintelligible, that you speak to God to build yourself up. Right? That particular tongue, as we've already talked about, is one that you cannot teach, you can't learn. It's just something that the Holy Spirit will dispense upon you in a particular time if he so gives it, gives it to you. Okay? But don't force it. Just be there in prayer and then see what happens. So, any questions before I continue on to the next piece of this? So, we've learned so far about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, of what he does and how he be, he gave confidence to Peter. And now, and we've also talked about how to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, before we jump into the next section of this, any questions that anybody has? I have a question. Mm-hmm. So, um, in verse, sorry, um, it says in verse, uh, okay, well, basically later on, it says that repent and be baptized. Mm -hmm. Um, so does it mean like, okay, so like, does that mean like you have to be baptized in order to be saved or no? No, you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. And the reason for that is because there's only one one particular um, reason, there's only one way, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, right? Now, baptism is an outward expression of your faith. It's a declaration to the people that you have been saved and you are submitting, right? You are submitting to Jesus in that particular moment. So if you are a person who you've given your life to Jesus, but you refuse to get baptized, you have a problem with getting baptized, then you have to ask yourself, have you really given your life to Jesus? Because it's sort of one of those things, it's sort of like a one and one goes, goes together type of thing. If you gave your life to Christ, why don't you want to get baptized? 
You okay, understand what I'm but saying? like if mm-hmm. you've given your life to Christ and like you just are like plain, I guess, unable to for whatever reason, like that's not under your control, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, there are many people who let's let, let's take the the example of the 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 man who died on the cross who was also crucified right next to Jesus i can guarantee you that that man was never baptized right because he was on the cross and on that cross is when he gave his life to Jesus and he says that you know Jesus you know you are the son of god something like that and then Jesus tells him you know Barabbas there we go no not Barabbas sorry Stephen Barabbas they they, they let that guy go but I think it's it's somebody else's name um or maybe he also is Barabbas I'm not sure but essentially this man was also on the cross and in that moment he gave his life to Jesus and Jesus tells him that today you will be with me in paradise that man was not um he was not baptized right so we have to be careful and look at verses in context well in the totality of the bible that if jesus himself says that that man will be with him in heaven and that man was not baptized then clearly baptism is not a prerequisite for making into heaven what is the prerequisite um is accepting jesus just like that man did at the cross does that explain it well Mm -hmm. okay perfect any other questions guys I know this stuff can get complex, so let me know. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> when you say, um, like, being baptized, does it mean, like, with water or, like, with, with water? Okay. Yeah, with water, yep. Now, there, I think there's a whole thing about <laughs> baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible, it can get a little muddy in that part, right? Because people say that first you get baptized with water and then you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand, is not a one-time thing, right? Baptism, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, literally submerges you, you feel it, right? Um, it's an experience that, that, that you go through. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is a continuous, constant thing that's happening each and every single time. If you say to yourself, like, fill me up with the Holy Spirit. That's essentially a baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? So first comes the water baptism, right? And then comes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So those two are a little bit different, I would say. But the baptism of Hol- the water baptism is a one-time thing, a light one-life event. It's just a display, a public display of your allegiance, your submission to Jesus Christ. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essentially Holy Spirit filling you up time and time again. That is, you need a continuous baptism of the Holy Spirit to operate in the in whatever gift or um, thing the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Any other questions, guys? All right, we'll keep going. So the next part, we're going to jump on over to Romans chapter 8. So we've talked about um, how to receive the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to jump over to Romans chapter 8 to see how the Spirit works in our lives. So we've gotten to a point where we've accepted the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit, we're asking, what do we do with this? Right? <laughs> what do we do with the Holy Spirit now? How does he move in our lives? So um, this is going to be a long one. So if two people want to split it up, we're going to go Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 28. But if somebody can give me 1 to 14 and somebody can pick up 15 to 28, that would be great. And then reading from the ESV version, English Standard Version, if we guys can all be in one version. I'll read from verse 1 to 14. Okay. You got the ESV version, Stacey? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Life in the Spirit. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, cannot do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who not according, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For this, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hires with Christ, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not the flesh, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by spirit of God are sons of God. Amen. Amen. Who would like to continue? All right, for sake of time, I can take it. So, verse 15. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Um, Romans chapter 8. Leslie, and we are at verse 18 now. So Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Pay attention here, guys. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we, as we, eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in the hope we were saved... For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Mark that down. And we know that the, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. So guys, Romans chapter 8 is like we could spend an entire year on Romans chapter 8. But for the sake of today and understanding what we want to get, gather out of this here. Um, we want to be able to see the life of the spirit within us. Right? We see within these verses that the Holy Spirit is the reason why we are able to even become believers, right? And the Holy Spirit is the one who will sustain us. He says that the Holy Spirit is the one that raised Christ from the dead, right? So the one that raised Christ from, dead, from, from the dead will also give life to our bodies. When we commit sin, the wages of sin is death, right? We're decaying away. But when we put to death, 
this body of ours here. We must then be raised and have eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the reason why we have eternal life. The Holy Spirit is one that gives that power within our lives to be able to do it. The Holy Spirit is one that gives us the power to be able to resist temptation. The Holy Spirit is one that gives us the power to be able to move in the direction that He desires for us to go. Everything that God's will is, the Holy Spirit knows. He says that the Spirit knows the mind of God the Father. The Spirit knows the mind of God um, the Son, right? And He gives those messages onto man. So, it's very, very interesting here, as you guys have seen, um, that what the Holy Spirit is doing within our lives, if we set our minds on the Spirit, we will live. Like we see, we saw as as Stacy read earlier, like to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life. So a lot of questions for you: What do you think about? Like what do you go through on your day to day, right? What really changes and comes upon w w within your mind? So, is it things that solely to please your flesh, right? Or do you think of heavenly things? Do you think of spiritual things? Do you keep your mind on the Holy Spirit? And the Bible is telling us that if we want to make it in this life as believers, we have to be able to keep our mind on the Spirit. Um... And the other part of this that is really interesting, as you guys saw within the verse 26 to 27, sometimes, y'all, we don't even know what to pray for. Sometimes we're so down that we don't even know how to pray. We know what the Bible tells us to do in terms of prayer, but we can get into such a funk. Maybe not you. I can get into such a funk that I don't even know what to say at times. But one thing that I know that the word tells us that the spirit helps us in our weakness. So when we are weak, when we don't know what to say, when we are out of words and we're tired of praying and asking God time and time again for something to do a particular work in our lives and we're tired, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit shows us what to say. The Holy Spirit gives us direction on how to move. Okay? So the Spirit helps us in, the, in our weakness, so we don't know what to pray for as we ought. So He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He intercedes on our behalf. Sometimes some of the things that we pray about, the Holy Spirit is going to take the things that we pray about, package it, make it really nice, <laughs> edit it, right? <laughs> and then send it over to God for us, right? That God hears that part for us. So... That's how the Spirit works in our lives. But more so, let me give you a rundown of the task of the Spirit, given the time that we have. Um, I want you guys to note these down, if you haven't already, or go back to the playback on the audio and, and, and play it back. But these are things that we could spend forever talking about the Holy Spirit on and giving you different examples. Um, but I want you to at least know these things so that when you go through your life and you're wondering, who is really supposed to help me here? You know that the Holy Spirit has got you. So as we've already kind of ingrained into our minds, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, to talk about the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and judgment of the devil to let us know that he's already lost. Right? So that when we're going through a tough time, we think that Satan's won. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us that, no, you're fighting a defeated foe, and he's done with. So you can make it through whatever you're going through. We talked about that last time, and then we see that in John. Right? I believe chapter 16. And he also delivers messages from Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit is a comforter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit gives direction. There was a time when Paul wanted to go to preach in a particular place, but the Spirit led him to, to, to another place. So the Holy Spirit gives direction and gives guidance. Like what uh, Michael said earlier, Holy Spirit gives guidance. This is in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. The Holy Spirit teaches you. He's a teacher. He will teach you all things and all truth that you need to know. The Holy Spirit empowers and gives confidence. Like what we said and we saw in Peter and we walked through it together today. The Holy Spirit is a dispenser of gifts, which we'll jump into a little bit pretty quickly. Um, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27, which we just read through. The Holy Spirit raises us from the dead with Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 16, that we just went through. The Holy Spirit imparts wisdom. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. The Holy Spirit searches the mind of God. It's also in Corinthians. And the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit is, is, is who's going to hold us down while we're on this earth to keep us in the grasp of, 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 of the Lord. If you go into Romans chapter 9, you'll see somewhere is that he grafts everybody in and he hasn't lost a single person. Those who are God's um, are ones who never get lost. And the reason for that is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. So I know I've talked a lot, giving you guys a list, tall list here of all the things that the Holy Spirit does. Any questions on any of those that I mentioned? Anything that piques your interest that you have a question on? Um, I have another question. Mm -hmm. So, you said that the Holy Spirit comes to unite, but I do, I can't, like, settle that. It's like when you go through that. Wait, sorry, say that again? You're, you're basically trans. Wait, sorry, you kind of oh, cut sorry. out, you kind of cut Can in and out. Try, I think try. someone's off of me. I could be wrong, though. But no, yeah, can you hear me clearer now? Yeah, it's better now. Go ahead. Okay, so um, basically I was asking, like, can you, so you said that the Holy Spirit comes to unite, um, or the Holy Spirit unites. Can you reconcile that with, like, when Jesus um, said that he comes to basically, you know, turn father against son, mother against daughter, and things like that? Can you yeah. explain why that is? Yeah, when I said the Holy Spirit unites, I clarified that the Holy Spirit unites believers, right? So the Holy Spirit unites believers across denominations. The Holy Spirit unites believers across all ethnicities, right? Black people, white people, Hispanics, Africans, everything. The whole, like, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is there to unite you. That the Holy Spirit is there to basically help me be able to communicate with somebody who... I don't even speak their language, right? The Holy Spirit is going to make a particular way for us to communicate. So that's still in line with what Jesus says about he's not here to come in, you know, he's here to set mother against father and all those things. That particular verse is speaking to those who are not believers, right? But Jesus wants us to live in unity. There's a verse that even talks about it is good that all brothers and sisters live in unity. So... When he says that Jesus Jesus doesn't Jesus comes with the sword, he's coming with the sword, not to divide believers themselves. That wouldn't make sense, right? Not to divide believers themselves, but to but to separate believers from non-believers and to let them know where do you stand? Are you somebody who you know that your father or your mother is not a believer and there's somebody who's gonna get in your way? Where do you stand? Right? So you kind of, does that clear that up a bit? When I said unite by the Holy Spirit, I meant more so with, with believers in the body of Christ. Is yeah, that, that cleared things up. Thank you. No worries. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, because there are a lot of times where somebody's like, oh, well, I'm Presbyterian, so I'm not going to hang out with anybody that's um, Pentecostal or whatever, right? That's that, That's just silly. So the Holy Spirit is here to do that. I'm black, not going to hang out with somebody that's white. That's that's a problem, <laughs> right? That's called <laughs> prejudice. So those are the quick tasks of the Holy Spirit that I've mentioned to you guys. Um, we need a lot more time to kind of talk next about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and things like that. So I'll hold off on that. Um, but I will note to you really quickly which we'll touch more on, God willing, next week. Um, there are gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a dispenser of gifts. Okay? Now, this is the part where everybody probably wants to tune in, listen up, listen very carefully. And we'll go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 13 next week, if you guys want to read ahead. Um, but there are gifts of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit dispenses gifts. And these gifts at times can be prophecy, miracles, healing, tongues. Um, there's a lot of gifts. Within 1 Corinthians, there are nine of them that are spoken out. Discerning as spirits, right? Having to have an understanding. Yeah, maybe let's just go there really quickly. 
the verse was uh first Corinthians chapter twelve verses um one to thirteen. I'll read this really quickly and then we'll reread it again when we get together next week to continue on this point. He says, this is Paul speaking here to the people at Corinth because they were confused. What is this whole gifts thing? We think this is all right. Now concerning the gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts. Like I said, the Holy Spirit dispenses gifts. But the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Note that down. Wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge. Knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. It's the fourth one. By the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Fifth one. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Seventh one. To another, various kinds of tongues, third, eighth one, and to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Amen. So, we'll jump more into these different types of gifts, but what I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit is a dispenser of gifts. Now, Paul reaches out and he, and he, and he clarifies between prophecy and tongues and he urges all to prophesy all to come and speak the good news um because prophecy is for the edification of the entire church whereas tongues is for the edification of yourself we'll jump into the main differences between these gifts god willing next week but what i do want you to know is that you cannot you cannot force a gift you can ask earnestly and pray for one of these gifts any of these things here pique your interest (laughs) It's piquing your interest because the Holy Spirit has put that to pique your interest. You can ask for a particular gift, and you may know within your life that God will dispense several different gifts upon your life. Prophecy, vision, whatever it may be, that's needed for His work. Not to make yourself be puffed up in some sort of way, but for the edification of your brothers and sisters in the church. So, I know that that part is a really big part that many people oftentimes have abused, unfortunately, within um, the faith. But So we need to get a clear understanding of what the gifts are. So we'll talk more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God dispenses. In the meantime, this week, if this is the first time that you've heard about any of these things, pray earnestly for them, and not just for yourself, but pray that God will allow you, you to use them to help other people, right? Sometimes to get to the point like this, you need to be deep in prayer. You need to have a real relationship with Jesus. You need to be able to be a person that loves God and spends time with God just for the mere fact that you want to spend time with Him and love on Him. All right? Your goal is not to get a gift. Trust me. If your goal is to get a gift, keep walking on by. Your goal is to come to know Jesus Christ very, very well. And your goal is to know the Lord well in your time and your time with Him. That when he dispenses a gift upon you, you then know what to do. A lot of times, the reason why crooked pastors and fake prophets are taking up your time and your money is because you don't want to spend enough time. We don't want to spend enough time with God ourselves to figure out what is going on. Because if we spend enough time with God, God will truly reveal to us through the Holy Spirit what's happening. He'll put a thought in your mind. He'll put a sound in your ear. He'll give you vision. He'll give you all these different things that you need to know to make the decisions in your life that are very key. So I know that's a lot. We'll keep touching on that more so, God willing, next week. We'll not we'll, next week we'll touch on the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which I would argue is even more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And we'll talk about grieving the Holy Spirit and what that means. 
and what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit as well. Like I tell you guys, we can spend a lot of time on the Holy Spirit. Um, God willing, we will continue next week. Um, anybody find this helpful? Give me a thumbs up. If you are tired of talking about the Holy Spirit, don't say anything at all. <laughs> All right, any questions, guys, before we close for today? All right, cool. Let us pray and then close for today then. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, just allowing us to dig into your word and just have a time of reading together. Sometimes it's great for us to get away from like the preachy side of things and just learn and just read and get together to have an understanding of your word. God, the best teacher is your word. And I'm glad that you allowed us to be able to read and Acts together and Romans together and just spend time together here. Heavenly Father, thank you for sharing with us some attributes of your spirit, some, some tasks that the Holy Spirit does for us. And we just ask of you to just be with us in this time. Continue keeping us. God, I pray that you dispense the gifts of the spirit to your people here, those who have truly given their lives over to you and those who yearn to be able to work for the good of other people, that other people may be uplifted and come to you, Lord God. Bless them with the Spirit, Lord. Bless them with every gifting that you have, whether it be tongues, whether it be prophecy, whether it be wisdom. Heavenly Father, everything in knowledge, give them the ability to be able to understand your word when they read it. Let them see it with a new light. Let them see it with a new way. God, each and every single person on here, I ask of you, Heavenly Father, that your joy, your joy, your joy be in them. That your joy be in them, that your spirit flow through their bodies, that, Lord God, let them come to just move and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to help them through every decision that they make and not be swayed away by things of this world but to follow you and know that your spirit would teach them all things and all truth. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen.